0: I I'm glad that you're here. This is the third podcast. Thank you. We're live, going.
1: It, you know what I love about coming and doing podcasts with you? Is it's a Saturday, right? Yeah. And you're like, hey, don't worry about dressing up. Don't shave. Just come in your sweats. Come hang. Yeah. Which is so you. It is. Right? It's yeah. like you just have to kinda of lay down the the new the new rules are look, you just just be present, just come, just be here.
2: I am I'm like, wait, 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 stop and I'm, smile. <laughs> Yeah. I am Emmeline Braithwaite, I am the third of seven children, and I am here to introduce our guest on the Jorific Podcast. Today, we'll be talking about Jorific Guidelines. Be helpful, be kind, and no whining. William A. Kessler is a licensed clinical professional counselor and BCIA certified neurofeedback therapist. He has a passion for helping others and has been involved in many community activities from serving on the twin falls city council to serving on the fifth judicial court as vice president of the court appointed special advocates board of directors william has been a keynote presenter for companies such as allstate microsoft readers digest audi primary children's hospital nevada energy and more william is certified in the color code personality assessment and training program and has worked as a consultant and trainer for many fortune 500 corporations teaching and developing senior management teams and directors welcome william
1: so give me a rundown of how we want to go about it
0: okay so i have I created Joyrific, which have yep. you seen that chart? You saw the chart. Uh-huh. That's like the original one. But I created Joyrific. It was actually 13 years ago, exactly this weekend. I had three little kids. I mean, little, little kids, three little girls. And I was at the end of my end of end of, I'm, you know, those are just really, really, really hard years. Yeah. And so...
1: You're still learning how to be a mom.
0: Yeah yeah and,
1: you know, yeah, it's well, a and constant like, experience as still Well
0: nursing, and I had like three in diapers, diapers. Oh, and man. like three car seats. I mean, you upgrade to a minivan, like it all and you up- have to get a bus. Yes. yes, <laughs> we're definitely in a bus now. So 13 years ago, and I just didn't really do anything with it because I've been like doing my kids. So I got my MBA. And now I'm ready to do something, something with, with it. it. All my kids are in school. To be honest, I haven't figured out how I'm going to do something with it. Yep. And so somebody said, well, you should write a book. I'm like, well, I I like kind of tried." <sighs> she said, my good friend said, well, why don't you just record the first chapter as a podcast? Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I could do that. So I've had seven kids. I'm going to record seven episodes. And each episode is about a major life lesson that I've learned with that kid. So the first one was my first episode, my first kid, my second. So you are here now with my third.
1: I'm your third kid you're, episode.
0: You're my third kid episode, Got it. which is Emmy when she was a little baby and she's the one that did the intro. And now look at her. She's, she's like amazing. all grown up. Yeah. And so each so each episode has a big life lesson that I've learned and this third child episode is really the like birthing of the Joyrific chart. And the whole joyrific system and what it was and where I was in my life. And my mom helped me a lot with that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, it honestly hasn't changed very much from when I created it. It was like a red, yellow, green stoplight. Yeah. And then it expanded and expanded. And as I did more research, I like developed it into what it is now. And it's really reflecting back on my time when I had three little kids and others who might have three little kids yeah, and doing her things. And three
1: little kids was a handful for us. I remember that was, we were outnumbered. Yeah. Yeah. Like four was not so bad. Five was a piece of cake.
0: Well, and six is when you have like buddies. So yeah. really it's actually easier,
1: but six, you have to get a bigger van. It's true. We could get you the do. five in, but then we got six. and It was like, everything
0: changes. Yeah. Well, and then dogs add dogs to it. And there's like <laughs> no hope.
1: Uh, thank you for, Invited me to be a part of this. I love, terrific. I love your thought process on this. I love how you got there, yeah, how you rebounded from you know, the struggles and you became proactive. Yeah. And I love that.
0: Oh, thank you. You know, it's been a process for sure. 13 years that we've been doing it.
1: Mindfulness, big deal. We don't do that anymore. No. Allow kids to have mindfulness. Yeah. Or time to ponder.
0: Uh, and quiet time to think.
1: And it be okay with their thoughts.
0: Yes.
1: We have to entertain them all the time.
0: Yes. And constant notifications. <clears throat> yeah. And you can't be in silence. They don't know how. Yeah.
1: They get super uncomfortable as soon as it gets quiet.
0: So and actually what's really interesting, I just have you ever played the spot it game? It's like yeah. a you should get it's it like for a bop you. It? No. It's like a card matching game. Oh. So every card in the deck matches another card. Like it's mathematically correct. So I created one for Joyrific, and I was going to have questions on every card, like questions to ask your kids. And I talked with Matt Larson, who he's going to be on the podcast as well. And I said, you know, do you have a list of questions? And his response to that was so interesting because he says it's not that people are lacking questions, it's they're lacking the patience and the process to go through asking the questions and to listen and to hear the awkward answers and to be part of the process. It's not, it's not the asking mm-hmm. that is, it's the curiosity of what are they going to respond with? And, and how, how do I to. respond? And Yes, and, mm-hmm. yes, yes. And I remember one time my, who, who was then five, my oldest, she like stood on her door and she was so mad at me and she was yelling at me and yelling at me. And I was yelling back at her and yelling back at her. And I thought, you know What? this is not working (laughs) because I am doing exactly what she's doing. And she's five and I'm older than five and six and a half. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's exactly how I was acting. And so one of the, one of the main lessons that we learned that we've talked about is only you can move your magnet. And so her at five was having this massive temper tantrum. And so she moved her magnet to the grumpy.
1: I was just going to say, I'm looking at Which one did she move it to?
0: So she moved it to grumpy. the... Grumpy, okay. Well, and actually... But
1: not tantra, uh, temper tantrum.
0: No. Okay. Usually kids don't want to touch the magnet board if they're having a temper tantrum. <laughs> it's more of a like re- reflection back on...
1: Did you get darts in this level? Yeah. Yeah. Throw darts Axe at it?
0: throwing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Some mud. Get a big gull. Yeah, yeah. Mud.
0: Poof. So here she was having this temper tantrum which was before the joyrific chart. Once I had the joyrific chart and I had this process of she is having her temper tantrum, which she was safe. She was in her bedroom. She could <clears can throat> have whatever kind of temper tantrum she wanted. And I chose to leave my magna unkind. And <clears> I, I wasn't going to have her temper tantrum affect me.
1: So you, you and felt the change and went, wait a minute. I'm, I'm like an adult here. I'm
0: I I can up. control
1: this emotion. Yes. Yeah, good for you.
0: Even though it's really hard because... Well, you
1: want to jump in and be angry, just like you were raised.
0: Yeah. Well, (laughs) and I'm like sleep deprived. I'm nursing a baby. We have three in diapers. Like, it's exhausting. I am depleted. Yeah. And...
1: That fuse is short. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and look, there's a lot of people that have the same... We all have the same thing. I'm I'm a father of five. And I, I, you know, I I understand. At some point, it's, uh, you, you know... What prepares you to be a parent of five, six, seven kids? I mean, it's, it, it, it's impossible without some tools around you right? to kind of navigate those waters because you have to kind of make them up as you go. Luckily, my wife came from a large family. I came from a small family. So mm. to me, after we got past two kids, it was like, oh.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and now, but it was fun once you got a hold of it. Yeah, it is fun. And I actually are seven. So we have seven. But at any time, I can have, like last night, someone came over. We were having brownies or something. I don't know. Someone came over and, and said, How many kids are here? And I I don't know. Like, I haven't them today. Everyone brought friends, <laughs> and there ended up being like 13 kids under the age of nine. And it was just fun. And they were all doing chaos and fun and swinging from the rafters. And like, but anytime a kid comes into my house, they know my rules. And my rules are be helpful, be kind. No whining. Mm. And you know what? At the beginning of Joyrific, it was be helpful, be happy. And we changed it on purpose to be kind because you can't force somebody to be happy. Yeah. You can't make that a rule. And really, they're not rules, they're guidelines of our household and in our life. Yeah. yeah. And so, but you can always be kind. You can. You can't always be helpful, but once you're kind, you can be helpful. And that's why the green kind is in the center, because mm-hmm. at any time, you come back to that. You, it, it doesn't matter what you've been in the last two hours. It doesn't matter how terrible of a night you've had. It doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. Be kind mm-hmm. and come back to that and, and continue to strive to come back to that. You're, you're not always there. You know,
1: kind is the route to happiness. You know, kind and gratitude.
0: Oh, I love if, that. If,
1: if you... If you, if you go through life, if you walk out the door every day and say, today, I'm going to exercise my right to be grateful, right? And find something throughout the day. Just focus on the fact, once, twice, three, five times a day, I'm going to say something of gratitude to somebody. If we look for gratitude in life, first of all, that's a kindness. And kindness always leads to gratitude, right? They kind of work together. You'd be surprised how happier you are in life. Because look, every day you're going to get 50% of crap and every day you're going to get 50% of great. I mean, you just get to decide which one you want to play with. Yeah, but when your heart goes to gratitude, look. As simple as this, I can't tell you how many times I go into a store and I choose to open the door for somebody. I don't have to. I choose to. I'm doing something, and they'll walk by and not say a word. About eighty percent of the time, people walk by me and don't even recognize you.
0: Oh, do you want to know? What most they don't people say, say thank
1: you. They don't say appreciate that. They don't open the next door to let you in. It's amazing how self-absorbed we've become. And so reminding us that we can be kind yes. and be grateful is, is a gift that will keep on giving throughout your life.
0: And most people say to me, most people hold the door open for me because I'm usually like carrying two kids and have an entourage. And they usually say, oh, you have your hands full <laughs> every time. I mean, yeah. I could count a I, if I had a penny for every time someone said that to me,
1: yeah.
0: it, which comes from like a judgment space yep. and, and I'm okay with it. And that, you know what? I do have my hands full and I'm glad that you opened the door for me. Cause
1: you know, and on this note of, of gratitude, I, w- I would probably share with you as well. That is if you help children learn that kindness and gratitude, and that it's a choice and they can choose to put things on the shelf and bring other things off the shelf. It is the big, it is the number one thing that changes marriages a heart of gratitude. And if you talk to anybody that's been married for 50 years, that where they go from love to endearment, it's higher than love, right? It's this is higher love called endearment. Every one of them I've ever interviewed, I've asked the question, and it always comes down to the fact that somewhere along the line, they both developed a heart of gratitude, mm-hmm. where they woke up each day and were grateful for what they had. You know, okay, so socks are on the ground, but hey, thank you for going to work today. Thank you for earning some money for our family. Thank you for taking the time on Saturday. Th- thank you for making dinner. Thank you for picking up my socks. If we would just utilize the attitude of gratitude, which is developed in children. Yeah. Right?
0: And it's taught. it's amazing how
1: it changes love.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's a it's an it's an investment in their future relationships. Oh,
0: I love that. I love that.
1: It'll go a long way.
0: Well, and that's what Joy being a foundation of communication, of skills, vocabulary, all those things where you're feeling short fused. Yeah. Where do you go? And how do you go? And you go where what you were taught or what you weren't taught. And...
1: Well, this is more l- specific. You have a choice to go and decide what you want, how you want to go about it, where most of the time we go through life simply just allowing what the latest instinct is. And a lot of those instincts we developed as children. So if, if you grew up in a house that was a grumpy house, you grew up to be a grumpy adult. Mm-hmm. Right? We pattern these things. What you're teaching them with this is we have choices of these things. And yet we can still have, be okay to be, be upset. We can still... Uh, throw a tantrum. We can st- These are parts of development, mm-hmm. but that we get to choose what our next step is
0: so and, and how to respond. And one of my favorite parts, which when you show the joyrific chart to little kids, is the ears. They noticed so quickly, some have ears and some do not have ears. And
1: It's funny. I didn't know that. I'm just looking at it right now. And you know, You're a, right, they,
0: adults usually don't notice it. It's the kids that point it out within the first five yeah, minutes. I love it. And- and they're aware of that. And they they ask questions because, of course, they know what ears are for. And they reflect on that. And and we talk about that all the time. You know, like put on your listening ears. Or you don't have ears. And if you're not listening, like you need to focus inward and figure out where your ears are and what it's telling you. And that's where you use your brain and the thinking part of your brain. And you're in those, the you know, mm-hmm. that's that's a a very small design choice that we made, but there's a reason that we made it like that. And it's, hmm. it is really impactful for kids.
1: I love it when things like that are on there. You're like, I hadn't put two and two together, but I get it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. It- but the sad face, um, he doesn't have any ears. Uh, it would be funny if you put like pointy ears on them.
0: Well, and you know, my Astrid, my fourth, she really wants to put one ear on the sad face because sometimes you're listening, ah. sometimes you're not listening.
1: But I it, like the idea. It,
0: it really looks like you forgot to put an ear on them, which kind of is, you know, the point. But
1: and are grumpy, we typically have our fingers in our ears.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> And, you know, the temper tantrum, flipping your lid, mm-hmm. that's this new, this new concept. That's where of, your ears get blown off. Yes. Yes. Smoke <laughs> and fire and flames coming from every part of you. I love it. Yes. Yes. Okay. Now tell us some about your experience, why you're here, what goodness. You've been thinking about this. I asked you a couple weeks ago.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> well, one of the things I was delighted that you invited me to come. You know, I, I love being a part of innovation. And as much as life, we have all these amazing things out for us for resources. I am always at awe when people come up with something even more creative or more insightful, right? The effort it takes. And so you know this, your followers may not, but I've, I've always had this admiration for your ability to just create things that are visionary. And and not many people do that, right? We get caught up in life. Look, you're super busy. You don't have to be doing this. That's yeah. not how you work,
0: right? Right? You're looking right. for
1: solutions. And then if I have a solution, then maybe I can make a bigger solution. And so I thought, hey, I, I'll I'll be happy to sit down and and uh, look at and evaluate and and see what you create because it's always it's always a thing of awe for me. And this is as well.
0: That's right? beautiful. And you know what? I would say for because I've had 13 years that I've had this. I really have felt like I have failed that I haven't done anything with it. Which is not true.
1: That's and, how masterpieces are made.
0: And it, it takes time. And though in those thirteen years, I focused on doing it to my little mm-hmm. guinea pigs, you my own little children. And I have learned. So I, I've had seven two-year-olds. It, you learn a lot. I've, there are times where he brings me. He'll actually bring me a plate of food. I, I often neglect myself right which every mother does
1: well yes and that's also kind of how you're made
0: right they've got time right, for you right right and so they're and even my kids know it i mean it's just beautiful because it does apply to me like and so they'll say when i was i mean i've been pregnant for seven times nine 63 months that's a long time so my kids especially my oldest would see how i was and I would move my magnet on the chart because, like, I I get grumpy too, and um, sometimes I would like theatrically get grumpy so mm-hmm. that they knew that I was going from one phase to the next phase. Because so often we just jump as adults. We mm-hmm. learn to mask it, and we're we're fine, and then the next instant we're like freaking out and temper tantrum. And so I would like slowly move my magnet around the chart of, you know, I've asked you guys to clean this up a million times or blah, 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 whatever it was. And my then nine-year-old would come and say, hey, mom, I think that you're really tired. I'll babysit the kids so that you can go lay down and take a nap. Wow. Wow. Well, okay then, right? I think that I
2: will. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you, you mentioned something just in that last little bit of statement that um, parents have a tendency to mask a lot. And that's actually confusing for the children,
0: right? It, I mean, we yeah. do, cause that's how we learn to cope. Right. Learn to
1: cope. One of the best things about this is to be okay with it being out on the table, right? Like I'm unhappy now, I'm working on being happier now. Here's the transition, which I'll do that. Cause we all have to learn the process. Because there's a handful of kids that develop and grow up and don't know how to express. They bury everything. Yeah. Right? And we see that in counseling every day. They don't even know how to recognize what they're feeling. or or They've never had that experience to recognize, be self-aware.
0: And be okay with it. And
1: be okay with that. And realize this is a part of my development and I can grow from that. So we don't even get practiced at recognizing or expressing or making literal decisions on what we might do. We just bury it. Mm -hmm. and so you'll bury all kinds of trauma and things as kids instead of getting it out and let the brain manage it if you will
0: yeah right Uh, so my oldest she'll be 18 this summer and she is in high school and she's like mom i cannot believe people don't know about the terrific chart like it's just (laughs) mind-blowing that people don't know that only they can move their magnet and and she she talks about how other teenagers have this hard time with ownership of their emotions and they'll blame somebody else. And she's like, well, no, only you can move your magnet. Like it wasn't the ex-boyfriend's fault or it wasn't the friend's fault or it wasn't that, it wasn't that.
1: Blame and justifying are dirty motives. Just, you know, when you blame or justify, it doesn't matter what it is. Like people say, well, they did this, they ran. It's still blame and justify are always dirty motives. You don't taking accountability when we blame or justify.
2: Just a thought. I love that. So
1: so she get to own this. That's another skill set they get to pick up, which you can blame it on lots of things, but that's a dirty motive. How about we just own it? Mm -hmm. I chose today to be upset because you talked rude to me. Like, you can't make me mad at you. I have to choose to be mad at you. Mm -hmm. But we'll blame it. Well, he was doing this and made me mad. Uh -uh 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 -uh. We don't blame or justify. You chose, own it. Now, true there, the person may have done something. We're not discounting that, but you get to choose your response. And so having the ability to visualize that and, to, and take it day to day, I think is fantastic. Looking at the chart though, I, did, I wanted to ask this question because you, you talk about physical function, you talk about expectations, you talk about nutrition, sleep patterns. What drove that?
0: Oh, I love that. So in the chart, when you're not, when you don't have ears, when you're not listening, you need to inwardly reflect and figure out why is it that you're not listening and I would say 99.9% of the time, it could be addressed with one of those caution signs. And I, there's lots of other things, but some deep, the core of it is physical function, sleep patterns, nutrition, expectations and attention. And sometimes that attention part, like you you just need attention, mm-hmm. whether it's from your spouse or from your kids or from someone loving there's times where there's not really a reason for it. Sometimes I'm just grumpy, like, yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. And sometimes I get attention, and then I feel better. And helping to work through that.
1: Again, everybody, everybody, most everybody uh, values being loved. Surprise! Right? Surprise! Surprise! Yeah, the gift that keeps on giving. But in the way you present it, though, it's 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 more than just this act of I'm um, attentive. It's the it's the like for example, I think we've and you recognize this we lost the the value of physical activity, right? It, it creates dopamine in the brain, which is a happy drug. And yeah, when you're when you're dormant, you're not going to feel very happy because you haven't got anything boosting that. Yeah, right. Or you go to things like uh you know Facebook or something or your phone to get your dopamine. And that's just addictive to dopamine. That's a different kind. Totally. And you just drops you in a hole, right? And so physical activity is kind of the antidote to sadness.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: And it's hard because when you're sad, you don't really want to do anything and you know, totally. feel good and you're grumpy. However, if you get in a habit of antidoting those feelings with some physical activity, then your brain learns that when it wants something to be happier, it will help you feel encouraged to move.
0: I and love And so you, you
1: teach that. it to help you get there. I love that. I recognize him.
0: And <clears throat> if you'll notice on the chart that I mean colors are important to me and it's it's a design choice but there's also a reason behind all of it and the physical function and sadness they're both blue. Grumpy and sleep patterns they're both red. Y- nutrition and whining they're both yellow. Like all it 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 usually comes, I can usually, someone usually starts whining because of those things. Someone usually is very grumpy because of sleep. Someone usually is sad because of physical function. And I will say when we started Joyrific, it was just physical body and just your body, right? Like if your brother punches you in the face, yeah, have a temper tantrum. Like that's totally acceptable. Like that hurts. and
1: That's a response.
0: Yeah, that's that's the reason that you do things like that, right? There's There's reasons for it. And then in 2014, we got a type one diabetic. And all of a sudden, that changed a lot of things because physical function, I mean, we could graph her emotions connected to her blood glucose. Mm -hmm. And it- And
1: and the reason for that, by the way, Jamie, is because the brain, excuse me, only works on glucose and oxygen. So when you talk about nutrition, if your glucose levels for everything, glucose meaning the sugars, Mm -hmm. and carbohydrates Mm -hmm. kind of through your body, is those things will dip and dive, so will your mental function. Yeah. And you know this as the diabetic because it can make it extreme, right? They've oh, got yeah. comas; They can start acting really wacko and et cetera. But most others that don't have that kind of a, a, a disease, they don't recognize that nutrition will affect your mood. It will affect your brain's activity. It'll affect your ability to manage things. It affects a lot of stuff. So your glucose levels have to stay stable. Mm-hmm. You need a little dopamine from exercise. See, mm-hmm. all these little pieces, you got to get decent sleep so the brain will cycle and can manage more. I call it the a tired baby syndrome, right? If you're not sleeping well, even as an adult, you're still a tired baby. <laughs> yeah. Right? And I think everybody understands what that means. Yeah. Like, tired babies are grumpy. You, you can't seem to make them happy. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. That's because the brain is like overwhelmed, it has no more room. Yes. To function.
0: Oh, and I love having actual tired, tired babies and then a three or four year old and being able to say, you know, well, and they're screaming, the tired, tired baby is screaming <laughs> and the four-year-old wants to like fix it or do something. Stop and, the screaming. Like it's not right. And so we go over to the caution sign and we say, oh, why is this tired, tired baby screaming? And, oh, are they hungry? No, we just fed them. We just burped them. Oh, do they need a diaper change? No. Okay. Their their physical body's okay. Oh, are they tired? Yeah. And if they're not tired, oh, do they just need mom's attention? And that, seeing it with a, a, a little baby, yeah, visualize the it. A four year old can start say, the process. Oh, I see now. And then can start being okay with genius. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. isn't and, you know, I didn't create it. Like, this is all, it, there's simple truths to all of it. Mm-hmm. I just kind of gathered it.
1: Right. Well, the truths are out there. But again, how do you present that to a two year old? How do you present that to a yeah. four year old? How do you present it to a 16 year old? How do you make it a pattern of life?
0: Yes. Oh,
1: yes. Because you can sit there and, and, and you know, um, profess it all day long. You can give the kids the sermon on this kind of stuff,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: actually live it, and it makes it's part of life. Like in our family, we started to think about content communicating.
2: Oh, I like
1: that. Right. Content communicating. The re- reason we did that is we all have a tendency to communicate <clears throat> in hints, right? It's like, it <clears throat> smells in here. <laughs> and what you really want is somebody to take out the trash.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: Or we'll say things like, Oh boy, I wonder if anybody wants to maybe go out to a movie or something. No. So we call each other out on that because that's become a lifelong pattern in our family mm. where we say, Well, oh, I'm sorry, that's not content communicating. You want to rephrase that?
0: Oh, that's fabulous. And
1: we remind that. so all day long you get this, okay, let me yep, you're right. I need to say, you know, it's time for family prayer. Not hey, would you guys like to have? You know, I wish my tell family
0: me? would gather around for prayer. I
1: get so upset when they don't. I don't know what they're holding.
0: We never do that, right?
1: Yes. How about you just contact, communicate what you're feeling, yeah. right? Oh,
0: that's great.
1: So having those kinds of charts or those kinds of focuses uh, is, uh, I think, the magic behind it because you take, you get to live it, you get to learn from it, and you get to visualize it, and you get some choice in it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Those are perfect development points. Yes. Uh, nutrition.
0: Hmm. Yeah, talk to me.: Well, you know, it's actually my least favorite because <laughs> I hate cooking. I just am not a cook. I I was my mom worked. we were raised on mom: Everybody has their gifts. Like I, my <laughs> gift. I would rather make you a cookbook than make you dinner, or I would rather remodel the kitchen than actually make dinner. I mean, literally, it just oh.
1: you know you can order those now. I know. Dinner in a
0: box. It's lovely. The best. <laughs> and Garth can cook. So it's actually magical. So he cooks and it's wonderful. And we, there's so much about nutrition, right? Like, so I have a type 1 diabetic. We also, she also has celiac. So that's gluten free. Mm-hmm. So then, and type 1 diabetic also means that we count carbs. So actually, my life is focused a lot around nutrition unwillingly because I didn't, I, I'm not a health nut. Yeah. But, I have to count all the macros and all the carbs and all the things that health nut people do. And it's it's how we survive.
1: You know, I, I, I see clinically uh, many times when I have people have like just kind of a lot of things happening and doctors can't seem to figure it all out. I asked them about diet. <clears throat> Not a dietitian, but I went out and decided to get certified in lots of dietary type things. And the reason for that was it seemed to be the smoking gun in lives that were whether unhealthy or... They're having emotional distress, things of that nature that we've, when you start looking at our diet, especially an American diet, Mm -hmm. there's no diet, (laughs) right? (laughs) There's no food value,
0: right? Mm -hmm.
1: And we do that all day long. Yeah. And you wonder why your brain has stress. Keep in mind that little guy, that brain manages everything Mm -hmm. and 90% it manages. You don't even think about it. It does it all on its own. So you don't feed it. Right? You don't have the body chemically working right; it's using up energy to realign all kinds of chemicals in your body to deal with the fact you just took in a bunch of chemicals.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not what the body can use, and then you can't wonder why your child has you know these emotional things or why they're starting to become suicidal or why there's so many things that can be tied to a healthy diet.
0: Mm-hmm. so
1: how did you do it? I mean, with that many kids, well, do you have to clean out the cupboards
0: you're well but, and It's at the point where you're forced to do it, right? Like we were at the point where we were forced to do it. And we have a gluten cupboard in our house because I have seven kids. And gluten-free bread is seriously expensive. And so there there are choices that we had to have made. But counting carbs is a huge one for us that we just we we have to do because she has to dose from counting the carbs. And um, you know, when she was diagnosed celiac. It, which was a year after she was diagnosed type one and autoimmunes usually come together. Yep. But diagnosed celiac, she went up two grade levels in reading within three weeks. It was yeah. Amazing the like gluten fog that her body was yep. just not processing and not getting the brain back in gear. And, yeah. Yeah. So we we do it, we we do it. And Taco Tuesday is a huge thing that we do, which is a gluten free Taco Tuesday. Most people don't know how to feed a crowd of fifty. So, so this is—I don't know if,
1: uh, if your followers are, even know this about you, but <laughs> as as those who have uh, grown up around Jamie, we we you, you do th- like for example Taco Tuesday. It just comes off your mouth like oh Taco Tuesday. They don't realize you actually have a Taco Day in your yard, right? At your house. Well, and then anybody in the anybody neighborhood in the no. <laughs> is welcome to come over for Taco Tuesday. It's not like just I invite a couple friends over.
0: Yeah, it's no. like.
1: Everybody is welcome for tacos at Jamie's. House. It's true.
0: I mean, we have a sign on the door. It, it's an open sign essentially that people know to walk in because we're all in the kitchen and so people just come in and I, a lot of times we have a ramp because we have those in wheelchair that come up and we just that's just how it is. The beautiful thing about Taco Tuesday. so I created this taco game, which is Taco about it, right? Like that's talk about your feelings. And That's awesome. so, this QT time that we do, this quality taco time now, right, which kind of developed over this Taco Tuesday, which we've almost done two years that we've been having Taco Tuesday. Which
1: I've been afraid to come over because I think I'm going to get addicted to tacos on
0: Tuesday. Well, people are. It's okay. You can be, <laughs> you know, there's worse addictions out there. So, and I will say, this is not regular taco tacos. These are like, birria tacos and brisket tacos and garth knows all the fancy words i just invite people he makes all the really good food so they're like legit taco street tacos that are so good he lived in mexico that helps yeah Mm -hmm. oh and then now his new thing because he was getting bored with like fancy tacos now it's fancy tacos and fancy salsas to go with the tacos like
1: mango salsa. The mango
0: salsa yeah. every week to go on the chicken. He has all of these tomatillo fancy fancy tacos. Let's just
1: face it. If you have if you're if you're having a bad day, eat a taco.
0: Yeah. Right. Surrounded by people that you love.
1: Right. I, serious. I mean it's like I have a daughter, my youngest daughter, she goes around all the time. Everything's about tacos. Right? Like when she was all the other brothers and sisters were married, but she wasn't. We had a family photo and they were all kissing their spouses and she kissed a taco. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> because everything was about tacos. Yeah. Anyways, you were I I
0: Yes. I changed no. Well, the the great thing about Taco Tuesday now is so we've sent it out in our Christmas cards. I mean, like other than having a sign in the yard that says come over for tacos, we've done everything that you could possibly do to get people to come for tacos. And now our kids invite people for tacos. So it, it's getting to the point where like it's a lot. Taco Tuesday gets to be a lot. And we were like okay, school started, we're just going to do it maybe once a month. And our kids are like, no, you can't do it once a month. You have to do it. And I was like, well, okay, I guess we're doing it. But see, right.
1: that's like a family tradition. Those kinds of things are things that give your children confidence. Yes. When you create any kind of family tradition, if it's a Christmas one, if it's a Taco Tuesday, if it's uh, something we do every Saturday at midnight, anything you create that's kind of a family insider thing has your children more confident. Those children are highly dramatically more successful in life when they walk out of the house with lots of traditions.
0: Mm, I like that. And as we're preparing Taco Tuesday, so it really gets live, the action peaks from six to eight is when it's really like the kitchen's full of people eating tacos. But from like four to six is the like pre-taco show where it's my kids and I, were making tortillas and we're making the salsa and we're like, standing around in the kitchen talking about all of the things that have been happening in the day and the things that are happening and who they invited or who do we think would benefit from coming to taco Tuesday? And like, what, what could we do that? And so who did you invite this week? Cause I was really thinking about so-and-so and I think that they'd benefit from a taco Tuesday. Not always do they come. Like,
1: That's because they don't believe you.
0: I, well, you haven't come yet. Well, I
1: know. And you gave me an invitation like two years ago.
0: I know. And that,
1: uh, the other day, I was like, honey, I wonder if we had to go over to their taco. And I thought, no, they're busy with other people. They, no. I don't want to eat their food.
2: Oh, Garth would be That's, so funny how I... Yeah.
1: So we look yeah. at it and go, it's okay. We'll go up the street to, to taco-, taco Bell. Because <laughs> 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 they won't be sponsoring your podcast, but...
0: Uh, well, you know, no, know if I mean? I'm in charge like, of tacos, it's from Taco Bell.
1: So how do you handle that? I mean, I know that people don't understand when people are just being... You know being neighborly, how they feel like, oh no, I can't, I don't want to impose,
0: right? I don't and want well, to. I have learned so, and I am sincere, like that's who I am. I am, sin- I talk to anybody, like, there's no special Jamie, like, everybody gets the same Jamie, and this is who I am, and you all know how I feel, and this is this is me, and it takes at least five invitations, sincere one-on-one mm-hmm. invitations before someone will come and try it out.
1: Well, this is only the third time I've been invited. That's well, the problem. by the
0: end of the podcast, we're going to have five <laughs> invitations. In. <laughs> no, it's true, though. Yep. It, it really is. And my kids have recognized it, too. And they're like, I, I invited so-and-so. They won't come. I'm like, well, keep, keep trying. Keep You're inviting. You're
1: also seeing the power in your children of what happens when you do things with gratitude. Yes. Right? We're doing this to be kind. When you get out of yourself and serve others. It's like, that's, that's the magic. I, I, I had a lady uh, on our podcast on our, I have a radio show I do on Saturdays and she called in and said, you know, I'm just so lonely and I don't know how to get out being lonely. And you know, now I'm so sad and I'm feeling kind of suicidal and I'll and she talked about this tunnel she's going down in. And the, the advice I gave her is, is there something you could do to get out of yourself for a moment and go do something for someone else?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: And so uh, we found this app called Just Serve and she put that on our phone called Just Serve, and it's got all kinds of things you can do to volunteer to go do something. And it was she wrote us just the other day and said that that one piece that's all you said to me. I can't believe how it changed me. Well, see your kids are getting that at home, right? Yeah, you're yeah. teaching them how to serve. Mm-hmm. You're be teaching helpful. them how to be helpful, how to do something kind. Yeah, how to that whole process again is the development to happiness.
0: Mm-hmm. I love it. I, I love that.
1: that. And and we don't a lot of times we just kind of. You know, tie ourselves up in our house. We shut the door. We get stuck on the computers and,
0: well, and our world can, shrinks. You can be surrounded by people and be lonely. Mm-hmm. I'm, our house is never empty. And there are times where I have felt lonely, surrounded by a whole bunch of humans.
1: Yeah, it's not because of your lack of people, right. it's lack of
0: connecting. Yes, yes. So, well, and when you come to Taco Tuesday, you'll have to read some of the signs on the doors. Because remember, I would rather create a logo than create dinner, right. and so I'm instilling that in my children, <laughs> and so they create new signs when you come. But some of the signs, so the ten year old age is usually about the age that creates it, but the signs say like "make a friend, be a friend," or "turn off your phones, no Wi-Fi zone," and like some of these basic how to be a friend skills. Yeah, that some adults. Kids don't
1: get and don't have. You 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 just touched on one that maybe we'll go back to. I don't know You just said about, like it's a it's a it's a no Wi-Fi zone. Yeah. Can I tell you just how destructive that thing is to the kids?
0: Which we're super nerdy. You mind? Yeah, seen?
1: you are around a lot of computers and stuff.
0: Well, our license plate has nerd on it. Right. We're really really we have enough technology. <laughs>
1: My point to that, though, is it's becoming such a part of everybody's life, and I, I'm not—I'm not against technology. I'm not against right. a cell phone. I'm not Same. against uh, Facebook. I'm—I'm I'm not. I think they were created for good things, and good things can happen from them. However, we have to learn how to use them, mm-hmm. and not let them use us.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Right. The more they can get you on one of those things, the more money they make. Mm-hmm. Oh, right? they're, they're trying to get you stuck on them. Yes. What you've got to learn is how to use it for you, and not let them take advantage of you. And that's why I say, you can be a nerdy home all you want. If you manage it correctly, it's a wonderful tool. Totally. That's not what's happening. Right. It's become a babysitter. Yes. It's become a way to lose our mind. It's become, and what it does is it, it causes you to lose your ability to feel joy. Yes. How many times do you get on, you see somebody that's on their YouTube channel, they're on Facebook, and they're going through reels and they've been an hour, two hours and they walk away from that going, I am so happy today.
2: <laughs> right.
1: It never happens. No. And that's because of the way it's designed.
0: And- So you're on
1: healthy children. You gotta teach them how to use their technology. Well,
0: and you gotta So I have so many strong opinions on technology because that is like my background, right? And first off, you're never gonna know more than your kids about technology. Like it you're just not They're
1: born with it. I think in heaven they come with a knowledge of how to use an iPhone.
0: And they will they will and what Garth says is it's an arms race. You can never out out learn them. That's and we're really nerdy. And our kids will teach us things that they just, it's just part of how these kids that's, are gonna that's, be. It's this
1: generation. So
0: you have to teach them things, you have to teach them about bigger decisions than trying to limit it. Mm-hmm. That you can't, you, <clears throat> it's just impossible. And so figuring that out, and I, so often I tell the kids, cause, and ads, no ads, right? Like we, we really try and avoid ads or anything with ads and stuff like that, which people do make money off it. But I'll say to the kids, there's a team of 50 people in this marketing department that's trying to get you to continue to watch this. So yep. it, it's not that uh, they are just smarter than you, but they are manipulating you.
1: But you brought, you brought the point that it's not one of the things we see when parents get the idea of what's happening. I mean, if you as a parent understood what they did in that phone, right? If you want to do a little research on that. There's a bunch out there. It is built to addict you. Yes right? It is cocaine with a battery. Yes. That's how it's set up. It gives you this little bit of euphoria and it changes your levels of chemicals in your brain and it resets your set point and all kinds of things can happen there. Um, but this idea that you'd go kids, I'm locking down your phone. Uh, you only have 30 minutes. I'm locking it down and that's the end of what you do with it. Then I think you're missing the boat.
0: Yes. So let me tell you what we do with our kids, which, and it doesn't work for everybody. Everybody needs to come to their own thing, but we give one minute per child for screen time. So 10 years old, you get 10 minutes and 15 years old, you get 15 minutes. But then we constantly say, you can ask for more time at any time, just ask for more time. But we need to have a like conversation. Like you need to say, hi, mom, can I have more time? Or how was your day, mom? Not hide
1: in my bedroom and right. shut the door and get over and crawled in it. Yes. We're about, again, development
0: yes. with the tool. Yes. Right. And so we work on that. And, and we talk a lot about that is a skill, asking for something and getting it. And why are you asking for it if you are endlessly asking for Instagram? I mean, like, maybe do you have homework? Mm-hmm. Or are you in a... Are you at Taco Tuesday? Should you look up from your phone and say hi to somebody who's just sitting across the table?
1: Is Instagram got you by the? Yes. Right? Is it? Is it tagged yes. you in now? Yes. And now you're feeling that urge, like you got to do it, just like you, you know, like a drug.
0: Yes. Have you gone outside and seen some sunshine?
1: Right. All there of those
0: things that
1: which is really the basis of Joyrific. Yes. Right. Yes. It, 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 and that's just—it's a, a huge piece. I'll tell you right now, we see all kinds of people have troubles in marriage, jobs, you name it, because they haven't managed technology. Mm-hmm. We've got moms who are putting you know, uh, laptops in front of kids that are one, two, three, four years old to babysit them because right. they'll sit and watch movies, but you're not developing the child's brain. right? And so we've, we've got to talk about it. We've got to make it a part of this full development um, because without it, you're, you literally will lose your ability to feel loved and your ability to feel joy if you get too stuck. Once, once technology gets a hold of you, if you're getting up on Facebook and your whole day's mood is dependent on how many likes you get. Oh yeah. Then we've broken the whole idea of what it could be used for. And now you're in a different place and you got to learn how to turn that off. Got to learn how to dialogue it. Got to learn how to be honest with your feelings what's happening.
0: And, and just not hide behind it. And if you're addicted, there's things that you can do. Right. And work with somebody, talk with somebody, figure it out cuz that I that's a tr- it's a true Think.
1: i got asked this the day from a mom she says how do i know when my kid's addicted to it and i said here's how take it away from them and watch the storm
0: yeah.
2: right yeah
1: and and this lady said i tried it i said we can talk to them. say hey, by the way today we're ta- we're worried about addiction and how it can get a hold of you and it's not healthy so uh we're gonna take your phone for a week
0: so i have a thing did you <laughs> this is
1: like shocking to a kid
0: did you ask the mom to take away her phone too?
1: Oh yeah. That has to come with it.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And you'll find half the moms won't do it.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Because well, I'm a mom, I need it for it. I need it. Oh, I know. Blame and justify. Uh, no, we all have to learn how. I have a the theme in our home is when you walk in the house at, at six o'clock, all the phones go in a basket. Oh, I love it. It's the charging basket. And then we go to life. Mm-hmm. We do things. We talk, we hang out, we do homework, whatever the case may be. And when you get ready to leave, you pick up your phone. So you don't wake up and just look at your, the first thing people do when they wake up is pull their phone.
2: Mm-hmm. Who's
1: beat me, who needs me, who wants me. That's not healthy.
2: Right, right.
0: It's
1: not good. And then when you have, which I want to go to this next, I want to ask you about ponderance, by the way, before we oh, get done. Yes. But it leads us into that point, which is where all of a sudden I have a free moment in my life. And what do I do? I pick up my phone. If you have to, if, if you're sitting there and for no reason whatsoever, you pick your phone up and look at it just to see what, if anybody binged you, you'll know you're getting in trouble. Well, Watch your kids. How many times they look at it and don't do anything. They just take a peek at it. Yeah. Right?
0: Well, and you can look in the the stats and you can see how many times you picked it up. Mm-hmm. And you can see how many hours you spent. You can see the first app that you opened. Right? Like, any chance it's your scriptures?
1: Yeah. I had a kid that I was just counseling with, obviously, at this point. 18 hours of screen time. <gasps> oh, wow. Over 1,800 pickups.
0: Oh, my word.
1: Figure that out. It is like literally this. Yeah. All day long. Yeah. And it's like, what in the heavens is wrong here? Yeah. This is this this is their life. Yeah. And so they withdraw behind the, behind the screen. But one of the things you do in Joyrific, though is you address ponderance time, as yeah. I call it, right? Time, quiet time. It's amazing what happens when you turn all the noise off and let a kid just sit there for a moment. Because what happens is we feel like we have to fill them all the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They got to be entertained all the time. They got to be doing all these things all the time. They got to be going to all these sports. They got to go all these things we want kids to do. And I get them into my office and I find that they don't have, they start at 6 a.m. and they go to ten, eleven o'clock at night, nonstop. Yeah. And they're 11.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. And it's like, wait, wait when, when do you ponder? Right. What's ponder? How do you do it?
0: Oh, that's a great question. I you know, (laughs) we're busy people. Mm -hmm. Like we just are. And I, a a huge thing that we do is QT time every day. And some people call it mind, body, soul time. Mm -hmm. QT time is where you set the timer. And I've said this over and over, and I'll continue to say, you set the timer for however old you are, right? I'm 39. I get 39 minutes. Really? I'm 22. So you would get 22 minutes. That's so great. So we would set it, and we can add it together. So my 39 plus your 22, we'll add it together, and then we can have that time if we want. Okay. And But this is undivided attention to the person that you're having QT time with. So my five-year-old will set the timer for five minutes, and I'll give her QT time. So I don't do anything else. I focus on her. Being present. Being present and being okay, and that's fine. Like we don't have to do things and let's, let's just sit. Let's, let's just figure out what's happening and, Mm -hmm. and that. So as I've done that, so now my 18 year old, right. She's have it. She's had it for 13 years that we've done this QT time. We're able to have those deep, strong conversations that we have. That is the like frontal cortex of their brain Mm -hmm. thinking and, and things like that. That's one thing that we do. So I make time to have QT time, which means I can't be out playing basketball or in the sports or the theater or the, whatever it is that I'm doing till 10 o'clock right. at night. Cause, cause then the kids like, I just, if I say yes to something, it means I have to say no to something else. Right. And so helping to really be deliberate about what it is that I'm choosing to do. That's one thing. Another thing is I say to my kids all the time, Go and be bored. Like, I'm fine with that. Like, they'll come to me and say, I need to whatever, whatever, whatever I'm bored. Whatever. I'm like, oh, good. You know, and there's so much research about being bored is where you hit that extra part of your brain that you can get creative and all of those kind of things. It's a motivator. Yeah. And so we, we try and be bored around here. And I think it's a great thing. And if they don't want to be bored, then I'll think of some chores that they can do that will make them also be bored and do a chore. And it also gets that brain thinking. Mm-hmm. So we we do a lot with that. And another thing that we do, I, there's so many things that we do. And I'm sure you, you're going to have to tell me some things that you do, because I know that you do things too, Yeah, is drinking water. So especially if a kid is really It
1: seems so simple. I know. But to be mindful about drinking water, just look at your day and see how many times you actually drink water. Again, it's shocking. We don't put any water in this.
0: We don't. And especially when there's a conflict. So when we have a conflict around us, me, the kids, anything, I'll say, hey, let's talk about this. Will you go get me a drink of water? And I'll have them get a drink of water too. So eight ounces of water, you stop. And you drink, and you're able Thinking. to think. I love it. And so that is a huge one that we do. So sometimes my kids will bring me a drink of water.
1: Mom, here's some water. <laughs> I think you need a little water. We
0: need to think about this. Mm-hmm. And
1: One of the things that I'm, um, I'm I'm really proud of you for doing, and I think the people that get around Joyrific understand this as well, is just how real you are with it, meaning that it's built to be real. It's It's not like you're trying to be this magic mom that has all the magic events and all her kids are just magically perfect <laughs> and everything just runs like clock like we see some of that right
0: yeah it's
1: like it's like i have counselors that do marriage counseling and they're divorced <laughs> and i'm like and how are you helping me you, you didn't do it yourself right? right so what counsel are you giving me you couldn't give yourself kind of right. thing. in your case what you're giving people is counsel on life real life and some days it's bad days some days it's good days and that's okay yeah we're not trying to pretend here. No. Nope. We're not trying to pretend that this is the world. And if you don't follow this world, then you're not, you're failing at it. No, what we want to say is, no, here's the world you're in. Let's do something with it.
0: Yes. And I will say 13 years ago when I made it, I was really naive. I mean, I had these three little kids. We didn't really have very many hardness in our life yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, having kids is hard and like being poor is hard and like not having a good job is hard and like all of those things that we had. Yes, we'd had all those, but there are some significant. So when I created this, I was very naive, but I had my mom's expertise. She's older than me and she had a lot of wisdom. And our relationship was actually really strained. And as I grew up as a teenager, I'm an only girl. The caution sign really came from, Once I was 20, I recognized I needed all of those things in my life. And then I was more pleasant to be around. Yeah. yeah. and
1: It's a child you develop. (laughs) I actually
0: liked my mom. Mm -hmm. Like when 14-year-old Jamie was like not not very kind and a lot on the grumpy Mm -hmm. and just there's just a lot of tension. There's like... It was hard, and they were going through hard times, and she was trying her best as a mom. I mean, yeah. she had all these kids. She was working. She didn't have the tools. But you don't to understand that
1: until you start feeling it no, yourself. right. And you have to expect your kids aren't going to get it either. Right. The gift for us was when the kids got to be a little older, when they would say, Hey, Mom, Dad, thank you. I know we didn't like mowing the lawn. I know we, you know." right. And then they're like, yes. thank you. And you're like, ah. The payback.
0: Oh, I... It's the best, isn't it? In the summer... Stay my,
1: committed while they're young, because yes. you're going to think that you're just going to have...
0: She goes these. to diabetic camp in the summer, and she's now a counselor at the camp, but she'll call, because there's no reception, but at some point she'll call, and she'll say, Mom, I love you so much. You like did so much for me, and thank you so much for all the things that you did, and I'm never going to have a dirty room again, because right. these <laughs> kids are filthy, and I'm going to be... And I just love you so much. And I think, oh, it's all worth it
1: for right. this moment. Paybacks <laughs> take a little bit. On ponderance, yeah. one of the things we found in our family, um, or, or I call this, meeting, this this time for some quiet. We found it around, we'd have family prayer at night. Mm-hmm. And so we'd get together and say, hey everyone, you know, it's time for family prayer, let's gather. And instead of the chaos, of, okay, let's force family prayer. That wasn't the idea. The purpose of calling everybody to family prayer was to pull everybody together to have a moment where we just sat and did nothing. Just allow ourselves a moment. And that would be the thing. We go, let's just give it a moment. Let's get our minds in the right place. It's kind of our thinking. That's how we kind of presented it.
0: I love it. Right?
1: How do we get our minds in the right place to be praying? And uh, let's just be calm.
0: So my dad did not grow up in a religious household at all. And so when he married my mom and they decided to have a religious household, they, we did family prayer every night. And then, I'm a real
1: fan by the way.
0: I'm a huge fan. Even it's a good it's time just, just to
1: gather like, the family if you yes. do something whatever that purpose is, gather at the day.
0: So after a family prayer, we do a family hug and a family like everyone puts their arm in, sure, I love you. Mm-hmm. Like we just do this thing. And it it wouldn't matter if we had friends over, it wouldn't matter if we were on the go, like it's the, a tradition. The friends would come and it, it, we'd have the 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 friends that you never that never prayed
2: mm-hmm.
0: would come and kneel down and do this family prayer with us and it's just that's just how it was and my dad set that example of this isn't weird like this is just what we, do. What we do and and that physical touch of the family coming together and that like bondingness and then you just kind of hang out mm-hmm. after it's done and be there
1: that's what we found interesting over a little bit of time of this all of a sudden we'd have it we'd be done and never nobody left yeah It was just us time to kind of sit and they'd be giggling and laughing and telling stories. And and my wife and I just be sitting there at all going, this, this is the, we didn't intend this would be the, right? That wasn't the idea. But now look at this. Why do we want to stop this? This is. And so even now we find the kids will come home. They're married now have their own kids and they all come home to womb a little bit, right? They come home to let's, let's Neil's family. Let's have their little gather. And that was a place of, of, of love and tenderness and, yeah, there were kids that said, I don't want to today. Or, I, that's life, we get that. Mm-hmm. The idea was they're still invited to come and it's something we do as a family. It's a tradition they take with them, right? Again, gives them more confidence who they are because they stand for something. Yeah. They are something. They're
0: a part of something.
1: Right, and it's a choice they made to be a part of something. not just being blown by the wind in the latest thing, which was where we lose that kind of confidence in each other. But it was that time when I began to notice that kids were having a difficult time with just silence, and if you think about it, if I was, even like we're talking now, if we just went dead silence and just let it sit for 30 seconds, people start getting really uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, you, you know? If the pause
1: is too long, they're like, uh,
0: It's so true. And as I just talked about this earlier, but as I talk with my kids, my brain moves very quickly. It's just part of who I am and it's why I do the things that I do. But in order to sit and listen to my kids, who's, some of their brains don't move as fast as mine. My husband doesn't move as fast as mine. Nobody's does. <laughs> well, my mom. You <laughs> met my mom. <laughs> I have hers faster than yours? Well, she's gone through cancer, so it did slow down yours a little bit. Yours is amazing. Uh, the, what I do in order to actively listen, I count in my head. And my goal is to count to 90, and which is a minute and a half. That It's a really long time for me to not say anything 90 seconds.
1: Well, because you can say five minutes of things in 90 seconds.
0: (laughs) So to listen to my kids or to listen to somebody, that's what I've chosen to do. So I'll sit and count and listen.
1: Wow. I need to take, I'm going to make a note of (laughs) that.
0: It's a good one.
1: Count to 90.
0: It's it's hard. So here's another question I'm going to have for you. What advice would you give to parents who are trying to have difficult conversations with their kids Mm -hmm. and they don't know how? How to have those.
1: Yeah. There's no trick. Be present. It, it's amazing how it'll, it'll, it'll do itself. Because some people are good with talking. Some are really good with ideas. And what happens in those is that the kid will come to talk to them and they would do all the talking. The parent will. The parent will.
0: They didn't count to 90. They
1: didn't count to 90. That's right. And so they just start going, 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 going. And before they're done, the kid walks out and goes, hey, good talk. I didn't say anything. Good. Yeah. Good talk. In our own family, we found that we had to be uh, good at being open to any conversation. So we would even start some awkward conversations, just throw it out while we're driving down the road, <clears throat> some night during dinner, whatever the case may be. And you just kind of throw these things out there where it became, it wasn't something they had to be afraid to come talk to us about something that was odd to them as a kid. Because a lot of things kids think, oh, my, my parents would never understand. And we're like, like uh, we've
0: never been Like kids. we've
1: never been a kid, right? Yeah. And so we had to start with the foundation, which was everything's open. We, we talk about anything and everything. And then before long, it was about age 16, we would watch the kids would start showing up at the end of our bed, right? They come walking in, hey, dad, uh, mom, I, I got a question for you. And that's when we, but first, when the first one did it, we thought, oh, what did we do? We hadn't really figured that out, but it worked, right? And we found that they were comfortable having conversations with us. So therefore, they knew they could come have those conversations. When a kid comes to you and says, we need to talk about something. So I did this at school and I'm drinking alcohol. And you go, you're what? You don't want What you've just said to them is, don't talk to me about that again, right? Instead of saying, oh, thanks for bringing that up. Share with me what's going on and having that more neutral thing. And so for us, we found, uh, we had one child that came in one time and it had a letter she had written a big, because she wanted to make sure she had all her notes for the conversation with mom and dad, right? Mm-hmm. And it was one of those kind of things you'd like to have just gone off on and you'd like to have just gone, what? And uh, my wife, she was so good. And we just kind of looked at each other and said, okay, that's interesting. Tell us more about it because we had to be welcoming the conversation. And that's what we do as parents. We actually shut down the conversation by condemning conversation. And we don't want to do that. You're going to need that open conversation when they get to be about 16. And they're really going to need mom and dad because nobody's going to give them the honesty like mom and dad, but they got to know that. And they will have tested it throughout their childhood. And they either believe you or they don't. But so many times we close down conversation. If they bring something up, say, we don't talk about that. Yes, we do. Yeah, Everything is on the table. And we talk. That's what we do.
0: If, they're, if the kid's going to talk about it, and if the parents aren't going to let them talk to them about it, they're going to find someone to talk to about it.
1: Or they'll hold it inside until they blow up.
0: Mm.
1: And that's what we see today. There's no place to get it out. You know, with PTSD, it's, it's interesting. You have a, a, a highly emotional event happen in your life. So much so that the brain at that particular time can't manage all of that. So you know what it does? It, it, it takes it and puts it in a little packet and stores it in you know, a spot in your brain. Just sits there in a the little spot in your brain. And then as your, <clears throat> as your brain goes through and it's thinking, because it patterns all over, trying to find its memories. If it crosses that pattern, all of a sudden, poof, everything blows up. It's because it was too much. And one of the things we do with dealing with that kind of a thing is we get them to start visualizing some of those conversations and having the conversation and dialoguing what they're feeling. And, Tell me about what happened. And what it does, it allows that memory to get split up over the brain. So now the brain is managing that and not just that little spot of overwhelmingness. And so with kids, the same thing's happening. If we don't give them the opportunity to have that dialogue, to get it to, to move around the brain a little bit, to, to know that there's people around them they can be safe with, even with their worst things, then we we take away those hot spots and allow the brain to manage it, which gives them a much better chance of being successful with other things as they're going through life. So again, it's a developmental thing. Um, they need it. And it, you know, kids that are four years old will talk differently than kids are, that are 15 years old. But even our four-year-old came just one time and said, I heard this word and blurted it out, right? <laughs> and the first thing you want to do is go, hey, we don't talk like that. It's like, wow, that's an interesting word. Where'd you find that one? And that's when we started figuring out, we don't have to get all crazy about what they say. We honored the fact they would talk.
0: Don't move your magnet.
1: Right. I, I just stay there and, and be present. There's nobody in the world that'll be better for your children than you. Right. They need you. They actually want you. Yeah. But we closed them off.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: And so for us, that was the thing. Even um, they all knew that they were invited to talk to us about any Everything was off the table. And they never got condemned by what they said they felt or were thinking about because that's how we shut it off. Some, and we don't have to shut it off. I allow it to that. allow it to happen.
0: Something else that Garth has said to, as you know, because I say a lot sometimes, and I try not to, and but he always says the relationship is the most important thing. Yeah. So focus on that, and then the other thing that he says is leave space for change, because a teenager might come in and be declaring whatever they've decided to declare. Right. He says you can allow space to change because that doesn't, maybe they're just trying it on to see how it fits and they're going to end up changing it anyways. So don't hold them to that or keep coming back to it or, you know,
1: allow for adaption. Another skill set we don't do much of, which is learning and teaching them how to adapt, right? That nothing is absolutely permanent. We can always adapt. And, And the key is to be adaptable and happy, right? Instead of resentful. Yes. Things will go my way. I'm just so angry. And I always have to always change for you. No, we choose to adapt. It's a part of life. And when we don't teach adaptability, we then structure the kids. So they grow up in life and they're not flexible to anything. Even if they're wrong, they're not flexible to it. And so the question is, you know, when you're wrong, do you ever become flexible? We sometimes go, uh, no, that's the way it is. <laughs> I would leave that open because that may change. Yeah. And that's the fun of life. But the key to what you're doing with Joyrific, which I and so much respect is that we're getting it on the table. It's visual, it's a part of development, it's a part of life. And it brings all these concepts that we're just losing as families, uh, in particular about the relationship. Because I've never met anybody who is happy that is out of relationships. Mm -hmm. I mean, you got a few loners, but they're usually mentally ill in some way. I mean, there's a lot of little, but most people find their joy in relationships. Mm -hmm. And yet no one ever teaches us how to have relationship, and it starts with our ability to have self-awareness and to dialogue and to be real and to know that everybody's in the boat with us. Mm. And if we take that out, then we lose our ability to find places of joy, which are relationships.
0: I love that.
1: And, and, and you, you think about people that have broken relationships. They're not happy people. Mm-mm. If you look at their lives, they're pretty, pretty critical a lot of times. Or they're the opposite of that. They are the one that is good at relationships, but their partner is not. And again, it implodes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But you get two of those together, life's good. Yeah. Right. Ups and downs. It's they're all a part of the journey.
0: Yeah.
1: And allowing us to uh, teach that as parents to our children, and us to them, and them to us, uh, that is the gift. I think of of what you bring.
0: Oh. So that's thank wonderful. you for doing that. Well. It's amazing. It really is. All of it is amazing, and kids are amazing, and we learn so much from it. Last question I'm going to ask you is: I want you to reflect back on all of the things. I mean, I've been reflecting back on when I had three little kids and how it's gotten to me this to this point. Mm-hmm. I want you to reflect back on something that you've learned or done or th- th- been thinking about as a parent. As
1: things I've learned over time. Anything. Uh, <clears throat> I I I think the biggest thing for me is one, when I was younger, I had no idea that I could be who I am today. I didn't even know that even existed, to be honest with you. I mean, look around it, but I didn't really understood it. Experience is an amazing thing if you'll let it be a teacher. Experience uh, usually calms you. It settles you. It allows you to be okay with being flexible. It allows for things. It's kind of like that first kid is born and the the binky falls on the ground and you sterilize it for four months, right? Because you're afraid to boil it and, you know, (laughs) And then the fifth kid comes along and you're like, you know, you lick it off, wipe it off on your shoe and give it back to (laughs) him. It's like, right. It's that same learning experience. And so, uh, the, the things I would reflect upon is that the effort, the effort you put forth in your relationships, particularly with a spouse, a loved one, or your children, that effort will matter. And, I only know that because I, I, I mentioned earlier, I'd had cancer. Um, I, I got to have some very tender experiences. I got to taste what death was like. I got to taste some things that, that you can never imagine in your mind until they happened to you. But when that happened, the one thing I took away on that night when I was in the ER trying to die and um, <clears throat> was coming, kind of coming in and out of, of this and knowing at any moment now it was over, was that I worried about, I thought about absolutely nothing. Nothing mattered except the relationship I had with my children and the relationship I had with my spouse. Nothing. So we put a lot of energy into careers and houses and this and that and awards and things. And then we neglect the people that will matter when it's end. And so I would just say that I've learned from my experiences and I've learned through some very difficult experiences that my energy is best spent in the effort I put forth to my children and my spouse. And when I say it that way, it's not because it's about being perfect. It's not about the fact you're this glorious. That's not what I got from it. What I got from it was that, is that the effort, if you can look yourself in the heart and say, I'm doing my best with what I have to work with, you're doing great. If you look in your heart and go, I'm a schluck. I, I, would rather, you know, play foosball and, and, Call of Duty, then talk to my wife. I would highly, highly encourage you to know that you're gonna someday regret that. And that the uh, efforts you put forth will pay dividends way beyond this life. And and then through the journey, be grateful. It could be a lot worse.
0: And, be- it, and it might get worse.
1: It might, and and if it does, that just means more opportunity to learn. Yeah. So it's still a positive thing. But those are things I had to learn uh, along the way. So yeah, it, and it's going to be okay. I mean, that's the.
0: And you're probably doing better than you think you are. Yeah,
1: we we, we kick ourselves in the head all the time. You know, and, and again, that that very tender experience, you know, with me that night, it, it it had a God event along with it, right? I learned that there really is a heaven. I learned that there really was a God. I learned that he cared about me because when you're at that moment, you're about to die. You have really nothing to hide. I mean, it's over and it's a weird thing. You finally click that switch and don't get another five minutes. It's like, game's up, get off the ride, right? And you're like, oh, this is really happening to me right now. And what I learned was that we are really hard on ourselves, but God is not. It, and it's hard to explain that. He was more sharing of gratefulness of taking on the the challenge of having cancer, taking on a family. It reminded me of all the things I had done. Never once did I hit the feeling that it's like, oh, but by the way, you did this wrong and that wrong.
0: Remember that time that you did that thing?
1: Right. That is not who I learned was there. And so for me, my relationship with with deity and my feelings of this life changed dramatically because I then had to start letting things go too. I was carrying burdens. I was carrying uh, you know, griefs, so I was carrying this load of I wasn't good enough and I needed all that. And I I was able to let that all go because I knew I stood with God. Yeah. And I knew this would all work itself out. This journey is for growth. It's not for failure. Yeah. And so I I don't see failure anymore. I see everything is, like you said, things may get bad tomorrow. Okay. To me, that's just another opportunity for growth. Yeah. That's not a thing to be afraid of anymore. Yeah. I don't fear anything like that anymore. I look forward to it because it's just another chance to learn something new. Yeah. And that's fun,
0: and and being ready for that. I you know sometimes when it's easy, I'm thinking, okay, where's the next corner that I'm going to go around? Because something always comes. Something's coming. Yep. And there's times where I need the support. There's times when I can support others, Mm -hmm. and and working. That's the
1: beauty of a relationship, though. Yeah, is to know that and be able to lift when you lift, and to be lifted, and be allowed to be lifted.
0: Oh yeah, which is hard. Hard. And but you can learn.
1: Uh huh. It, It was it was an interesting step. When I, again, going through cancer, when this kid showed up at my door, a neighbor and his dad, and said, hey, just want to give you a heads up, we're going to be mowing your lawn. And I said, oh, no, 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 we're good. I can mow the lawn. And he's like, stop. My son and I need this. Hmm. And I never thought of it that way. Right? That he was trying to teach his son something. And he he needed this experience for them as well. And I was being so selfish to think that, no, I could do it all myself. And so that's, it's that one little event Isn't that weird, how that changes you and like, go, okay, no, I, I'm okay with people because I've done the same thing. I've learned a lot from, yeah, right? Helping other people. Yeah. And sometimes it's okay to let them, it's always okay to let them help you.
0: Graciously. Yes. And you can say, thank you.
1: What? <laughs> Gratitude. Oh, the key All to right. happiness.
0: I appreciate you coming. I could do this for days.
1: I know. You're fun to talk to.
0: Oh my word. You're fun to talk to.
1: Jabber, jabber, jabber.
0: I know. Cue, well, let's the cue the exit music. We'll, is we'll,
1: what We'll do it again.
0: Okay, right? that'll be perfect. And if I said I'd love to have
1: you on our podcast, I'd right? love to. It's called Let's Chat with Will and Tony, and um I'd, cause I'd like to dig on this and a whole nother. I got a whole kinds of things I want to.
0: I uh, we could go on for days. Right. That's really how I feel. I love it. I appreciate okay. you coming. My pleasure. You're gonna come to Taco Tuesday.
1: Uh. Okay.
0: This Tuesday.
1: Yeah, what time? Do
0: you eat? The reason I say,
1: uh, because I think if I make a commitment to you and I don't fulfill this.
0: I know. I'll you th-
1: will hunt me down.
0: I'll text you on Wednesday <laughs> pictures of our tacos from Tuesday.
1: <laughs> what time do you do it on Tuesday?
0: Six to eight.
1: Okay, so I can do it from six to seven. Uh, at seven o'clock, we, I have a bunch of so young men I hang out with.
0: Crowds come in, crowds come out. The teenagers all leave to go to their youth activities. Yep, the, that's a, the, the little kids. We have an arcade in our basement. Did you know that? No. Ooh, no Wi-Fi. Just to, like good old generic arcade. Love Kids it. play on it. Have fun. Build that relationship.
1: Yeah. Talk.
0: Talk. <laughs> communicate. And eat tacos.
1: Okay. I'll see you so, at 6. Okay. Tuesday. How and many tacos do I get?
0: As many as you want. It's kind of like the loaves and the fishes. Okay. We have... Just keep coming? They do. Okay.
1: We, can I bring anything?
0: Well, if you want to bring something, you can always bring chips.
1: Okay. Can I bring, like, bacandi sauce?
0: If... No. Oh. Is that in a jar? hmm You can, but then you'll just take it home. (laughs) (laughs) because That's usually what happens with people that bring that. Because we have really, really good salsas. So if you want to make a salsa, you can. But you can always bring fruit, fresh fruit. That always goes. Okay, So you're on. But first time you can just come and see. See what it's like. You don't have to bring anything the first time.
1: The second time?
0: Second time, third time, you'll start getting the hang of what people eat, what people don't eat.
1: So for the people in the podcast, can they all come?
0: Of course. Anybody I get to see it now up.
1: half a million people showing up at your door for you know, tacos.
0: We'll get a we'll get a taco truck. Is really what it is. We have a cul-de-sac. They can we can just do it.
1: I just think you got to start the restaurant, Jamie's Tacos.
0: <laughs> well, of there's,
1: there's so many things that you built from that. I mean, it, there's a there's a whole I, I whole mean, sermon based on there, Taco Tuesday.
0: I know there is, yeah. and well, in the origin of Taco Tuesday, I don't think we've even talked about. Like, there's just so many things. Really, we could go on for days. for another podcast. Yes, I appreciate you coming. We're going to do it again, and I'm going to hit the end button. Otherwise, we'll go on for days.
2: Good to see you. Thank you so
0: much.